Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you... Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but we've got another sponsor to tell you about, Phil Supreme. They're a nationally recognized brand who offer only the very highest quality of natural supplements. Their extensive range includes a range of medicinal mushrooms, nootropics, anti-aging products, gut support products, green powders, vitamins, and much more. Yep, they've worked with fighters from all the top promotions, including UFC, Bellator, brave and cage warriors with a solid reputation of providing results. So check them out on Instagram, which is at Phil underscore Supreme or their website, www.philsupreme.co.uk and make sure you use the code MMAFAN for a cool 15% off your first order. Don't say we don't spoil you. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I'm Stu Whiffin. Joining me as ever in full festive Christmas jumper, Blake Harrison. Hello. Hi, mate. How's it going? Ah, that's not the voice I wanted to hear. We have had some backwards (laughs) and forwards already. Not only did he have the Christmas jumper on, but something had happened to his recording settings, which pitched him right up where you literally sounded like a kind of little sort of chipmunky elf type character. Which uh, I I suggested you recorded it like that. You weren't so keen. No, no. I, I think you know my voice is probably high pitched enough for a lot of the uh, the listeners out there. <laughs> they didn't need it to go full elf. Um, although I'm quite impressed with my jumper though. But I have to be slightly uh, wary of how I'm moving because uh, there's little bells on my jumper. I don't know if you can hear. Mm. Oh, that's nice. Oh, shimmy in as well. <laughs> you hear that? Little bells on my Christmas <laughs> yeah. jumper. And uh, you got a little show there, Stu. So uh, lovely. Never thought Blake Harrison would be shimming his bell for me, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> One of the many highlights of this year, which I guess kind of leads us on to to what today's show is. It's going to be Blake and I looking back um, over 2021, some of the um, outstanding fights, submissions, knockouts, fighters. Um, and then we're going to be doing a little look ahead um, to some of the fights that we're excited about and some of the fighters we're excited to watch in 2022. And we'll be having a little kind of retrospective look back on um, what, what the podcast because it started in the middle of this year. And, you know, we feel like we've, I don't know, gathered a bit of, covered a bit of ground in the time that we've been doing this. So we're going to look back over that and, and yeah, talk about a few things that we've both really enjoyed about, you know, launching this podcast. So I think... 
maybe we start, Blake. Um, fight of the year? Fight of the year. Okay, brilliant. Uh, for, for me, I've got a list of, of a few here. I'll just reel off a few of them, but then I'll talk okay. about what I think was my just standout. I didn't even have to think about this one. This was clear as day for me. But I feel like it's going to be different to yours, which is interesting. Um, okay. So, uh, top fights out there, I think, was uh, Prohashka versus Reyes. I thought that was great. It lasted like just two rounds, but it was amazing. Uh, Could shout- be up there for knockout of the year as well. Uh, yeah, it's definitely up there as, as one of mine. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, that was just a pace of that back and forth for light heavyweights as well. It was just fantastic. Um, yeah. Daly versus Hamasi from Bellator. I mean, mm. that was crazy. I mean, Hamasi, uh, Daly looked really hurt. It looked like Hamasi was going to win, and then Daly came back, and uh, that was that was a brilliant, brilliant, really fun fight. I think shout out to Cage Warriors with uh, Hughes versus Charrier. I think I mean it wasn't yeah. the most kind of like crazy back and forth uh, like uh, the Reyes Brahashka and and Daly Hamasi that we've mentioned, but technical it was really good fight back and forth it was on a bit of a knife edge and i think that really deserves a little shout out was a uh, hughes versus charrier at cage warriors for the uh interim featherweight belt uh which paul hughes won uh i think uh rodriguez holloway was a yeah. phenomenal fight really good fight usman covington too i thought was really good covington coming back and doing way better than i thought he would and then I think you've got the two big boys, and I think I I think I know which one you'll pick, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. So we've got I think Gaethje Chandler is going to be on everyone's mm-hmm. list surely, and Volkanovski Ortega also has to be on everyone's list. Yeah. For me, it's Volkanovski Ortega. Oh mate, high five that! Oh, did you say one? Yeah, that's oh. mine. <laughs> oh no, so I really thought you were going to go for Gaethje Chandler. No, no, I, I, I really. Ortega. I, 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 yeah, I, I thought you were going to go Gaethje Chandler. I know you're a big fan of, of both Gaethje and Chandler. Um, but for me, I think it was over five rounds. It was for a title, and I think stakes make a difference. You know, it's it's all well and good having these amazing fights on the prelims and all that, and you you've got to give them credit. Like people like like Molly McCann had a phenomenal fight back in back in September. I forget who mm. her opponent was now, but she put on a really great fight. I mean. That one round Paddy Pimblet fight was 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 crazy as well. But But just I, to touch on what you said about having that title changes up a fight, I also think that can the same can be said for the, the kind of what was on offer for Molly, which was probably staying in the UFC. Yeah. And I think that was shit or bust for Molly and as we've mentioned before, never a backward step, just through Dan and like, and obviously got herself another contract. But, uh, but yeah, go on, mate. Let's uh, let 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 let's get on to uh, fight of the year. Well, no, that, that, I mean that's for me. That's it. That it's Volkanovski yeah. Ortega was the one. I mean that third round was mental, oh, mate. Absolutely, guillotine, then the triangle, guillotine and triangle, and, like, and and then got out of it and was raining down blood. Like the whole time, I watched that with my my wife who'd been watching the. Old, Ultimate Fighter series with me, so she was familiar with Ortega and, and Volkanovski, and her mum and dad were over as well, and we actually watched it all together, and it was one of the fights. Where I was like, I'm so glad that as people that don't watch MMA, my father-in-law in particular, because my mother-in-law was a bit like, oh no, oh don't do that, oh I can't, no I can't watch it, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but my father-in-law watched this amazing fight, and that third round when he was able to 
escape both those submission attempts, but still re-engage into the ground game when I was like, just get up, Volkanovski, oh, no. just get up, please. <laughs> um, uh, but he didn't. He just engaged in the ground game uh, and got rain, rained down really heavy blows. And then that third round, I mean, Vulcan, uh, Ortega, sorry, at the end of it was just, he just looked done. He looked completely done. Had to be lifted up onto his stall which I think we've mentioned on the show before, I, I don't think you can do that. <laughs> and they just no. allowed it to happen. Herb Dean gave him an extra um, minute's rest by asking him how many fingers he was holding up and Ortega looked like he didn't have a clue what was going on. But then he came out and did he, did he win the fifth round? I think Ortega came out, came out and he ended up winning the fifth round. The, the, the fourth round, like um, Volk just was beating him up. Yeah. Like it, 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 the shots were like, yeah, were brutal. And then I think Volk was a little tired in the fifth. And for, I don't know where he pulled it from, um, uh, T-City, but he come out in the fifth round and just threw down. And mm. it was like, oh, this is what you want from a championship fight. It was, it was everything. And, you know, I know, you know, both me and you are big fans of Volk. And when we, I guess when we talk about highlights of the podcast, you know, we, we'll discuss, you know, having Volk on. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's currently pan for pan number four in the world and and rightly so I, I think super excited to see what what what's next for Volk he's, he's just a dude and yeah all, all the kind of the beef leading up to it as well you know so I felt that saw a different side of Ortega in the in the kind of run up to it you know normally he was always a bit of a golden boy and, and come across like a bit of a bad guy uh in, in some of the kind of press leading up to this and yeah and it, and it just delivered everything and Taking nothing away from Ortega, I mean the guy's got a heart of a lion, and God, you know he can he can wear some punishment, like yeah. that because it, it you know it was just a a proper battle, and yeah, fight of the year, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a shame for Ortega in a way because he seems to just be at that tier below. He's still an incredibly good fighter, and he probably beats. 95% of the featherweight division, but you're at the same time as Max Holloway and Alexander Volkanovsky, who are just that, that step above that, that it's more, they're more than great. They are elite. And uh, it, yeah, yeah, not many fighters get out of that third round. You know, no. it takes something special to get out of that twice yeah. in a round uh, against somebody who's you know who's a real specialist in that as well. Yeah, like yeah, j- just just incredible. And uh, yeah, props to Ortega for for definitely. I mean, I I imagine that must have got all sorts of bonuses that fight, and I I hope so. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's no reason why Brian Ortega should have walked out of that you know out of that octagon feeling like he didn't give 110 percent because it was you know a fight of the year, 100 percent. And uh, yeah, well. Should we talk about? Ooh, should we talk about some KOs? Let's talk about some KOs. I mean, I just want to give another just shout out to the the Gaethje Chandler fight because that was epic. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. But 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 it's just it's just not. It's, it was it was only over three rounds. The stakes weren't as high, uh, and also it, it didn't. It, it was great, but I don't feel like it had the drama of, of Volkanovski Ortega. So that for me is is fight of the year, but. But Gaethje Chandler was phenomenal, and I love that fight as well. Yeah, if there's a Heart of Lions club and Ortega's in there, he opened the door 100% to Michael Chandler that night. 
Yeah. You know, absolute warrior. And, yeah. And, and I think we've spoke about this kind of uh, in, in post-fight shows that I don't think that's done any of his uh, salability, credibility or anything, any harm that fight. Not you know, at all. He, you know, fans will go, I want to watch Michael Chandler fight, you know, and, and obviously it's looking like we're going to see uh, Gaethje fight and, and fight for the belt and oh, bring that on. Yeah. Is, is there any fights that you felt I haven't mentioned that you think deserve a little shout out or should we just move on? Uh, well, I've got kind of... I mean, I've got a shock of the year and I guess that could be fight of the year. Go on. You know? I, think, I think I know what you're going to say. Well, it, it, was, it was only a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And like, how can we overlook, you know, Juliana Penna versus, you know, Nunes? Like... Oh my god! Like, what? <laughs> I've got that down as one of my subs of the year, not because so I thought I. the submission was incredible, but just yeah. it was the circumstances that were incredible. It was yeah. who she'd done it to, <laughs> yeah. uh, and it was the, the the aftermath of of what that means for the division, yeah. for women's MMA, for the UFC. Yeah. It just sent shockwaves through MMA and. And that's why it's right up there. It wasn't that it was some flashy submission or anything like that. It was that what was crazy about it is that she she beat her with the strikes. Like mm. the reason I would say it's not the fight of the year is you know a Volkanovski Ortega Chandler Gaethje. It was it was just back and forth it was you got a lot and within more bang for rounds, your buck, and you got a lot you? more bang for your back they went three rounds it went five rounds with this don't get me wrong it, it could have been up there but it was like the first round was wasn't the most exciting the first round mm. you could watch it just go oh yeah Nunes is dominating and I remember watching it and then coming out for the second round and someone saying to me oh does anything you've seen in that first round that you know shows that Pena's got a chance and I went nope nope she's done and then what happened was just madness. As to, yeah. to, to beat her on the feet, Nunes getting that tired that quickly. And that's another factor, is it didn't feel like both fighters were on their A game. Gaethje Chandler, uh, Volkanovski Ortega, and other fighters that we've mentioned, it felt like the fighters did their absolute best and were on their A game and all that stuff. In this fight, it did feel like Nunes was not on her A game. Nunes was, was far from her A game. And Pena capitalized and all credit to her the fact that she was able to beat her on the feet was quite astounding really and then that led to a situation where Nunes sort of looked like I don't want to use the phrase give up because that's not I don't feel that's the right thing to say yeah but she just set all energy was gone so that she couldn't it didn't feel like she could mount any kind of fight back Nunes because the energy wasn't there the the the, the gas tank was was empty yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, it was, it was just. Uh, I, I watched a thing today, um, just when I was sort of prepping for this, I was just going through some bits and bobs, and I watched something, and it was, it was just a highlight reel of like different DC and Rogan faces when these things happen, <laughs> uh, and uh, and what, all the time whilst Annex just holding it together, um, and I think Rogan says this is the biggest upset in the history of the UFC. I don't know if he just got that that happened in the moment and in retrospect maybe he thought well how many times have I said this but it did make me think what was bigger well the the 
There's, this is, I've heard this debate chatted about. For me, it is the biggest because Nunes was the GOAT and no one gave her a chance in hell. But a lot of people are saying that in terms of like the odds making and, and, and other things, there, so there was about four of them I saw somewhere, uh, was Chris Weidman, Anderson Silva. No one gave Chris yeah. Weidman a chance. Um, Sarah. The, the big one is Matt Sarah. Matt yeah. Sarah beating George St. Pierre yes, because... Please. Unbelievable. Uh, because Matt Serra basically had won the Ultimate Fighter to get that shot at GSP. So it wasn't even like he'd put a three or four fight win streak mm. together in the UFC to get that title shot. He'd come off the Ultimate Fighter to get that title mm. shot and then knocked out, or uh, whatever it was, uh, uh, George, was it a knockout? I can't remember actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, knocked him, out. yeah. yeah George, George St. Pierre. Um, what I would say is GSP wasn't the god that he became at that point. So I don't feel like um, I don't I don't feel like it's the same as Nunez because Nunez is the goat. She is the goat now, and she was just beat. GSP I don't think was at that stage yet, um, and that's was why Ronda I, Holly in that list. Ronda Holly was in that list, but again, if you look yeah. back on that in hindsight, you go, well, Holly was the most accomplished striker that Ronda had ever for yeah and ronda yeah. wasn't a striker she'd slightly fallen in love with her striking because she was able to bully people like betch Hare and stuff like that but she you know th- 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 it, it was yeah and and she seemed to fight emotionally i mean and some some of the imagery with the ronda holly fight is what's really crazy not just the finish which is i think etched in every mma fan's mind but there's moments prior to the finish where Ronda swings for Holly. Holly so easily like rolls underneath the punch and Ronda ends up like on her knees against the cage because she'd thrown everything into a punch with zero technique, like someone drunk in a bar would throw. And you're like, wow, the level. That was the point in that fight where I just thought, oh, hang on. Like, this is done. Like, Holly's footwork and boxing's just too good. And, but I did not expect a head kick KO. No. I, I, for me, that shocked me more than anything else I've ever seen before or after. Obviously, last weekend was crazy, but seeing Ronda Rousey get beat blew my mind. Yeah, I, I have to agree because I was following that. When she had that run of like four title defences and all of them combined took about two minutes, you yeah. were like, this woman's incredible. Um, I mean, really... The betting lines wouldn't show it because he was such a big favourite. But who who actually saw what was going to happen between Connor and Aldo? Like, yeah. That, that, to be fair, I remember watching that and just leaping off of my chair, not not understanding what I'd seen. That's yeah. like, oh my god, he <laughs> yeah. did it with one punch. Like all yeah. the build up to that was so exciting. It was so crazy. It was so captivating. All of the build up to like him ripping the poster. Him, them doing that world snatching tour, snatching the belt, snatching like. the belt at the press conferences, going behind Aldo and that um, TV appearance where he's rubbing his shoulders and Aldo's getting that. He was so in his head, and everything was so, just so captivating. You felt like you were watching a movie, um, and for it to finish like that was just madness. Um, yeah. But I do, for me, I do think with the status that Nunes was on. And the, the, how far everyone thought she was above every single other fighter. The fact that Pena was coming off of just a one-fight win streak. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's, that's the, for me, the greatest upset. Yeah. 
Yeah, shock of the year, 100%. 100%. Right. And, uh, yeah, and although probably not the slickest submission, it doesn't matter. It no. done the trick. And uh, so, yeah, it has to go in one of the submissions of the year. Um, Should we carry on with subs of the year then? As we've mentioned one. I don't think that's the sub of the year, but we've mentioned one. Should we mention a few other subs? Yeah. Uh, Moreno, Figueredo. Yes, Moreno, again, to win the belt was round three against Figueredo uh, in, that, in their second fight. Um, I hate to say it, Makachev Hooker. Oh, man, oh, no. tears in your eyes, Tears mate. in my eyes, man. All my Christmas cheer is gone. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and that's nothing against Makachev. I love Makachev. I think he is phenomenal and uh, most likely a champion in waiting, or at least, God, would I love to see that fight between him and, uh, and Oliveira at some point, and even him and Dariush in February, which we'll get on to later. Mm. But... Um, uh, yeah, that, but I just, you know, I love Dan Hooker, so I felt sorry to, to even say that. Um, I think Gamrot versus Stevens, a similar Kimura, but just the domination, the way he just, just Stevens had no chance. Um, Amanda Nunes versus Megan Anderson. I mean, it's yeah. kind of taken it down so quick. That kind of, tr- it was like a reverse triangle armbar thing she had going on there. That was kind of crazy. I think, now I've got, I've got two here that are, Oh, I think they they are up there, but one of them one of them isn't actually a sub, but I put it in my subs list. Um, I don't. I think you know what I'm going to say, but all right. I know Paul Craig beat Jamal Hill. I, that, that's that's the one I've got in front of me. That is the one I want to talk it, about. But it wasn't a sub. It I was know. a TKO. I know. But it was. But it. But he broke his arm, like I know. So I don't, to me, I I feel like it's a sub, but technically yeah. it's a TKO. But to yeah. me, it's I, I, it's sub of the year. Yeah, we, we're putting that in the sub category. We, it's we, our podcast, mate. It's our yeah, podcast. We we make the rules. We don't have any exactly. kind of MMA authority to bow to. Exactly. We, We've we made it clear that we don't know what we're talking about. If you want the legit shit, go and listen to Sean Sheehan. Yeah, <laughs> he'll tell you. He'll tell you how it actually is. Um, but yeah, no, well, look, let's park this for a second because I also want to mention that Muniz versus Jacare was right up there. Because, yeah. Because I, I, for me, the Paul Craig one is my, is my, it's my sub of the year, and it's not even a sub. Am I? It's so <laughs> ridiculous. What are we doing? Who do we think we are? Um, but, uh, but Muniz needs a, a proper shout out because Muniz mm. versus Jacare, you've got two of the best. Well, I didn't even realize how good a grappler Muniz was. To be honest, I knew he was a good grappler, but I did not realize he was at this kind of level. And even in the commentary, Joe Rogan is saying, "Oh, in the build up." Muniz has said that he's a better grappler than Jacare, and that has pissed Jacare off and blah, blah, blah. And I know Jacare's 41, but he is one of the most accomplished grapplers, probably behind Damian Meyer, but he's right up there as one of the best jiu-jitsu grappler guys we've ever seen in the UFC. And for Muniz to snap his arm to the point where you can go back and watch it, and I, I had to stop watching some of it because it's just a bit much. Um, and they do a bit where they're like, oh my God, you can hear it. And just before the replay of hearing it, Joe Rogan says, oh, DC's taken his headphones off. DC didn't want to hear it. DC could not listen to that snap. Oh, it's so gut-wrenching. It, yeah, it's a really, really bad one. So for Muniz to do that, and again, to Jacare Souza, really deserves a special mention. 
However, we're idiots. We clearly don't know what a sub is, and we've gone for Paul Craig versus Jamal Hill. Jack just kind of got up, didn't he? Unfazed. Like, could you imagine if that was me and you in there with a broken arm? I'd literally be crying, screaming for a medic. Oh, Jesus Christ. These people are made of different stuff to me and you, mate. I tell you. I'd be crying if I just saw it happen. Like, (laughs) if, if I was in there, like, with you, if I was in your corner... Firstly, you've chosen a bad cornerman. Secondly, <laughs> if I came in there and saw your arm just snapped off, I would just be like, oh, medic! <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like the little puppet in Team America, just, <laughs> just vomiting, violently filling the cage oh, with my vomit. Dear. Right, well, look... Um... Should we move on to some KO? Well, we haven't talked enough about the Paul Craig. I mean, I know it's not a sub, but he, he literally... Okay. He, like, like, Jamal Hill, we've seen how, how good his boxing is, the way he just dispatched with uh, Jimmy Crute the other night, just so Completely. easily. Um, and Paul Craig... Great bounce back for, for Jamal Hill there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the thing with Paul Craig that I'm just like, wow, is that he had a game plan of just like, I need to get this to the ground. <clears throat> Got as, close, as soon as they came together, he got like the wizard on on his right arm and just just sat there, just pulled him down into his world. Yeah, and it was like it's not even just the submission; it's everything about it. The way he just unapologetically just pulled yeah. guard and pulled him down yeah. into his world with such confidence in his own ability on the ground and all that stuff, and then and then yeah, just locking up an armbar where the the imagery of that arm just flopping around. And as we said, we are aware the the fight was stopped by the kind of technically by the strikes yeah. or whatever, but it's because his arm was was just gone. His arm was snapped. Yeah. He was in no rush to stop that though, was he? Like he was happy to carry on. You know, he, no. he didn't like I mean he couldn't have, but uh you know, credit to Hill and and, and you know speaking to Paul on the podcast and the fact that they, they went out for drinks afterwards. What a great story yeah. as well, you know, like top, top, top fellas. And, and we'll get on to, to, uh, to, to, to things to look out for in the new year. And I'm sure, um, we'll, we'll discuss Paul Craig in, in, in that section of the, yep. the show. Um, people getting flattened. Should we talk about that now? <laughs> people getting flattened. People getting flatlined. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So, all right, do you want me to run through my list and you add to it, or do you want to run through yours? Well, can I start by just saying, as I started to compile mine, I realised most of them are on the same card. Really? Yeah. UFC 261 is insane. Go on, talk me through it, because I'm, I'm aware of two. Right, okay. So, uh, my KO of the year... Um, oh, it's it's tough. It's between the top two fights. So, um, Usman Masvidal. Yeah. Like, round two, that straight right hand. Oh, I mean, yeah, as clean as it gets. Yep. And it was just a night-night. There was nothing else needed on that. Uh, and then in the, the, the fight before that, Thug Rose, first oh, round. Yep. KO. Like, and... And I remember, like, literally jumping out of my seat uh, for that one. That was a proper moment. It was just like, you know, we're big fans of Thug Rose on this podcast. And seeing that, I just thought, 
nothing's going to, you know, be able to sort of top that. And If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, you know, what, what we saw was one of the most clinical KOs uh, that followed from, uh, from Usman. Anyway, right, so pulling up that card. Um, so... Usman Masvidal, round two, one minute, KO. Um, Co-main, uh, Whaley versus uh, Rose, KO, round one, one minute, 18. Uh, below that, women's title, uh, flyweight, uh, Valentina, KO, uh, TKO, uh, round two, uh, over Jessica Andrade. Uh, before that, first round, 17 seconds, Uriah Hall, Chris Weidman. Oh, uh, don't! That's you can't uh, positively talk about that. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> that's the same face you pulled when I mentioned Cody Garbrandt versus Sugar Sean. Oh God! Oh God! Uh, oh God! Poor Cody! Don't do that um, to him. And uh, and yeah, and uh, uh, before that, uh, first round at KO, um, Andy Smith, Jimmy Crew. That's a main card, my friend. That was an incredible card. I do remember that being an incredible card, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I've literally, for, for me, my, my KO of the year, emotionally, it was seeing Rose uh, with that head kick. But clinically, uh, Kamaru just throwing that right hand was just like, there you go, eat that. All right. And, uh, yeah, what you got? What you got? My knockout of the year, I think, is 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 a different one. Uh, but I'll, I'll list you a few of mine that I thought deserved a mention. Uh, Michael Venom Page versus Derek Anderson. That kind of front kick that just busted up his yep. nose. Not front kick, but uh, kick that busted up his nose. Um, 
Sergio Pettis versus Horiguchi. I mean, Horiguchi was oh, dominating that fight, and then that that spinning back fist just just ended it. That, that, that's a really special knockout. Um, a, a couple of people on Instagram threw up uh, uh, Fazeev against Riddell. That spinning wheel yep. kick. I think that deserves a mention. Um, what, who did Fazeev fight before that? Uh, Bobby Green. That was a fight. That was a, a fight of the year contender. That yep. that was really really good. Um, Reyes Prohashka, that spinning back elbow. Whoa, that yeah, was something else. That um, <clears throat> Rose against Whaley won. That kick, fantastic. Derek Lewis against uh, Curtis Blades. The, and again, it's like, I know it was just an uppercut, but it's the way that Curtis Blades fell. He just like bumped, just stuck the short uppercut that just like yeah. completely made him just like paralyze and just flop to the floor. Mm. Uh, was really special. Um, Usman Masvidal I had as well I think the reasons that's so good is because Masvidal had never been knocked out up until that point obviously it's for a title and it was so clean and the imagery of him just folding all that stuff really really special however my KO of the year and actually I'm going to stop myself there because I think special shout out a guy on Instagram messaged me and I completely forgot about this KO, and I'm assuming you have as well because you didn't mention it, was uh, Bahamondes versus uh, Roosevelt Roberts, a spinning wheel kick on the uh, Cannoneer <laughs> Gastelum card in August. And I'm going to yeah. give him a shout-out. Todd Barraclough, who on Instagram was Todd04 underscore, sent me uh, that suggestion, and I was like, oh, yeah, shit, I completely forgot about that. We watched so much MMA that I, yeah. did, I did sort of forget about that. Uh, and that was a phenomenal spinning wheel kick uh, uh, KO. Um, but my top KO, and I hate to do it because the person that got knocked out is, is you know, a legend and a fan favourite, but Corey Sandhagen against Frankie Edgar. That flying knee, the way he just drew him into it, the way he timed it again, the way that Frankie Edgar fell, the way that Sandhagen just kind of basically did a walk-off KO from a flying knee. The reason I, I I like my KOs to have a little bit of flashiness and style to them. And although Usman's was obviously technically brilliant and it was against a guy who'd never been knocked out, it was for a title, all that stuff. I know that's amazing, but in my head, I can't get out of the fact that it's kind of it's just a punch. Whereas you want flamboyant computer game shit, right? I do want flamboyant. I mean, we last year <laughs> we had fucking Joaquin Buckley against the Impa Kasanganai with that absolute ninja fucking crazy Batman shit. That's what I want to see. I want to see that stuff. That's why we're tuning in. So uh, I have I have a special place in my heart for all those kind of like fancy flashy knockouts and the jumping knee to Frankie Edgar's chin really was something special. Um, yeah, and but I couldn't put two Frankie knockouts on the list, which is why I've uh, I've disregarded Cheeto Vera's front kick because it's just it's too much badness on Frankie. But uh, but yeah, we, Sam Hagen's uh, my top. Well, we've had a couple of messages as well um, on on the Insta. Um, Teesside Tom uh, knockout of the year for me and Garnu Stipe. And, oh yeah, uh, it's a great shout. Uh, what else have we got? What on are you here? looking? At? Are you looking at the direct messages or are you looking at the comments? No, I'm looking at the comments. Yeah, you do uh, comments then, and I'll get the messages. Okay. Up. Uh, I mean, there's a uh, a shout out from Johnny quietly, um, who's, who's mentioned uh, Taito Avaza, uh, who's 
generally knocking people out uh, quite yeah. quite regular now. Uh, he's also wanted to mention uh, some of his uh, walkouts as well. Uh, and uh, he's got to be up there as one of the low key fighters of the year, hasn't he? I don't, I don't think he's the fighter of the year, but to go from like what was he on like a three or four fight losing role. streak, yeah. and now he's on a three or four fight win streak again. Yeah. The the walkouts, the shoeys, the KOs. Yeah. Doing that to Greg Hardy, which everyone's a big fan of, well, you know. Well, this is uh, this is what Johnny quietly is thrown in there. The entire sequence of two of ours are Hardy from Spice Girls walkout to KO to Shuey. There you go. There you go. Oh, to then quote pick another bloke. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, what a dude! Um, yeah, what a dude! I've got. I don't know his real name. He is lowercase c zero one eight eight on Instagram. So that's hopefully Catchy. hopefully that's his given birth name. Um, yeah, and he's just said he said the same to us when uh, Paul Craig took Jamal Jamal Hill's arm home. I mean, again, technically uh, TKO, but yep, we agree with you there. Uh, and the fact that he got steaming after it and made it made it all the sweeter. <laughs> um, so there was that. Um, I've got Nick on nights here. Um, thanks, Nick, for the message. Uh, one for Blake. Uh, it'd have to be the sacrifice of Dan Hooker uh, at the hands of Makachev. <laughs> oh, poor Dan. I love you, Dan. Um, uh, Martin Wilmshurst said similarly to you, Stu. He said that the whole of the Usman Masvidal 2 card was out of this world. Uh, first pay-per-view back with fans, he said as well, which I forgot about. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. everything... Um, yeah, and he just goes on about that. And he also wanted to say, keep up the good work with the podcast. Uh, and he enjoys us talking about the fights and all that stuff. So thanks very much, Martin Wilmshurst. Yeah, a quick opportunity as well What before we carry on. Just to say thanks for supporting the podcast this year and sending messages and stuff. Like, it's much appreciated. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about the pod uh, a little bit later. But, uh, but yeah, just a, a quick opportunity to say thank you, really. Um, Todd Barrack- what do we want? I've got oh, a few more. I, I want to give people shout outs. Right. I said I'd do it. Todd Barraclough, who we mentioned earlier, who reminded me about the Bahamondes uh, Roberts uh, KO, also says that he thought that Riddell Fazeev is his favourite fight and his favourite fighter is Fazeev. And uh, favourite sub was Gamrot over Stevens. Um, Volkanovsky Ortega from Ashley Rolf, who's a guy I know from my old drama school who I had no idea liked MMA and he just messaged on the MMA not on my account I don't think on the MMA fan podcast account saying Ortega versus Volkanovski I'm like hello Ashley I didn't know you liked MMA um, there's a bit of more love for that from uh, One Foot Dude um, for Vulcan uh, Ortega. He's up there for his fight of the year. I've also got Don Booth, who's chose uh, Gaethje Chandler for his uh, fight of the year. There's a lot of love for them fights, and, and rightly so. Absolutely. Mark Mullally also says Volk Ortega and Gaethje Chandler. Uh, Phil Rooney says Volk Ortega. Um Oh, look at this. It's a bit different. Frankie Fitzgerald saying, huge fans of Casey O'Neill and Ty Tuivasa. However, favourite fight, Volkanovski or Tava. Favourite KO, our mate Chris Barnett, which oh, was mate. a phenomenal KO. Uh, and he also said that his favourite episode of, of the MMA Fan Podcast this year was uh, was the Hardwick Brothers. And he says he doesn't know why, he just loved it. And I think we're, <laughs> I think we're in exactly the same boat. We don't know why, but they are just brilliant. Um, Just before we press record, uh, I, I shared their story uh, on our Instagram account, which was just George and Harry uh, with two massive pizzas looking really excited. Oh, lovely. 
And a friend of ours at Fraser MMA, who does like Swedish MMA stuff, uh, he's got favorite fight has to be Gaethje Chandler KO. He agrees with you, Usman Masvidal. Submission, Moreno Figueredo. Fighter of the year. I think he's slightly swayed by his national allegiances here. He's going Hamzat Shemaev. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Hamzat, that was a crazy fight against Li Jingliang. And he's definitely up there as like having such an incredible year despite only fighting once. But I don't think you can be fighter of the year if you've only had no. one fight. Uh, but yeah, and that, I think, if you've done the comments... Yeah, I've got one more from um, the Mustard MMA. Uh, he, uh, he he wants to shout out um, uh, Usman and Oliveira uh, as, as, as great fights that have happened this year, both of them in some incredible scraps. Um, but he also just wants to um, shout out Michael Chandler. He said he was up there for him. He said, losing the record, but all that aside, uh, what a great addition to the UFC. And I couldn't agree with that more. Great addition to the UFC, Michael Chandler. Oh, you know, absolutely. Coming with... Such expectation hasn't necessarily gone his way, but my God, you know, he's uh, he has been in some absolute stormers. Yeah, so that's kind of, is that all I've got? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's everything. Yeah, I've, uh, right, well, there we go. So hopefully, yeah. if you're out there listening, anyone that we've mentioned, thanks so much for sending stuff into us. We really, really appreciate that. Um, what else have we got to cover? The fighters of the year? Oh, I've just burped mid-sentence there. Fighters of the year? Very professional. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Um. I, I, I'll. I'll get in because I've only got one. My fighter of the year. Um. And I'm going to stick with Volk. Uh. I just think. Right. Massive. You know. Is it twenty fight win streak now for Volk? Yeah. Right. Something like that. I don't know. It's crazy. But this year, um, he's only had one fight, hasn't he? I mean, I know it was an epic right. fight. Yeah. But that's it. You're going, okay. you're going one fight guy is your fighter of the year. Yeah. I'm going for Volk because I just think it's – I like him a lot. You know, not, <laughs> just openly not biased. Me. I'm going for Volk because <laughs> he's nice. I like him. I like Volk. He's been on the podcast. On the, and I mean, you do if, get you know, special treatment if you've been on the podcast. If, if uh, yeah, if the Venezuelan vixen or Usman wants to come on the podcast this time next year, I could be talking about you. On that right, then, the my meantime... fighter of the year is Tyron Woodley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, too Tyron. soon. Too soon. Like, no, that was that a was... bit of a lay down here. Oh, yeah, mate, well, it? we haven't discussed that. That only happened at the weekend. I don't like discussing the Jake Paul stuff too much. But no, fuck me. I don't want to talk about it at all. No, well, I didn't see the fight, and I heard the fight was pretty fucking boring. But the KO was really scary. Again, the way he went down and just face-planted and was down for ages. You've got to say, he's got a lot of power, isn't he? Because that doesn't happen to Woodley very often. That kind of just lays him down like that. Yeah. I mean, like you, I just saw the KO on on social media. I I have very little interest in any of that. But I did see that in the running for uh, his next opponent was Anderson Silva. Uh, and I've also seen some back and forth from um, him and Jorge. Uh, yeah. Which I, I think Anderson Silva, I probably st- still wouldn't be that fussed about. But if he was to fight Masvidal, I think I might watch that um, because I think Masvidal will be a little bit too much for him. Uh, uh, I think Anderson Silva would be more of a problem for him than Masvidal because Anderson Silva's bigger. I think that's the thing with Jake Paul is he keeps fighting people that are like two stone or a stone lighter than him. Like, <laughs> he's a smart dude. He's a fucking smart guy. I mean, 
it's surely not right. Like there should be yeah. like if this was any form of you know proper sporting situation. I, don't, I can't mm. use words properly, but you know if this was properly regulated sporting event, you'd have weight classes. And there yeah. isn't. It's just it just seems to weigh in at whatever they want. And then he talks about fighting Conor McGregor and like, mm. mate, he's going to be three stone lighter than you. Like mm. it's just nuts. So. Yeah, it's all a bit bit crazy, but I think Anderson Silva would be more his actual weight, and Anderson mm. Silva legit has really good boxing. So I, mm. I'd be more. Yeah, he looked incredibly in that 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 last uh, Chavez Junior, wasn't it? Was it yeah. Chavez Junior? Oh, yeah, it was. Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it looked great. Anyway, enough of that. Let's let's stop talking about it. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, fighters of the year. You've gone Volk. I I I need to give a special shout out for Jose Aldo just because he's been. Magic, isn't he? And I mean, oh, the Cheeto you know Vera what? win was 2020, so that doesn't count. <clears throat> but it was late. It was in December of 2020. It, it still doesn't count. Still doesn't How count. How many he had this year? He beat Munoz and he beat Font. But I think right, that's okay. pretty fucking legit considering it's Jose Aldo and he's just on an absolute tear at the moment after being, you know, uh, written off by a lot of people as well. Yeah. Uh, Max Holloway, two phenomenal performances. Calvin Cater early in 2021 an absolute domination and then rodriguez in that brilliant fight that was i think one of the fights of the year fantastic fight uh juliana pena is probably my second choice just because she beat sarah mcmahon in a victory that no one's really going to remember or care much about um but then you're gonna forget the next one though exactly that's it shocked the world against nunez so you have to stick her in charles Oliveira to beat Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier. The Chandler yeah, fight looked like, yeah, Chandler fight looked like it could have been taken away from him in round one. He rallies back and fights against this whole narrative of oh, when Charles Oliveira, the chips are down, he gives up and all that stuff. No, he rallied back against Chandler, got the win, and then against Poirier, really showed his class and got that sub in the third round. But my fighter of the year, and I think most people's fighter of the year, unless you're Stu and you're completely biased is going to be Kamara Usman to defend the belt three times to finish Gilbert Burns, to finish Jorge Masvidal, who'd never been knocked out with one of the KO of the year contenders. And then to beat Colby Covington in a fantastic fight. Although I I think he should have won in that third round. He just seemed to have him. I don't know what happened after that. Covington came back all credits Covington for that. But I think that is one hell of a year to defend the belt three times against top opposition and do it in the styles that he did, I think he's fighter of the year. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I can't argue with any of them. Like, you know, they're, they're three monster fights he's had there. Um, to, to be honest, I didn't necessarily consider him, which I should have done. I think I just got uh, blinded by Volk. Um, he's barbecuing videos on Instagram. I blame my mind at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's one of the criteria for being fighter of the year is you've got to make good YouTube content for Stu and it's usually got to be based around food so. it really is oh dear I want to have a barbecue around Volks it looked incredible um, but yeah and also, love, imagine if we like just somehow got like paid good money to do this and we'd be like oh it's be good let's just get on a plane to Australia <laughs> go and hang out with Volk and he can cook us some food that'd be fucking amazing oh, that'd be so great 
Oh, brilliant. I've not been to Australia for about six years, and I think it would break my brother's heart if I went, yeah, I'm coming to Australia. Oh, really? Where about? Oh, no, I'm not coming to see you. I'm going to go and have some, uh, some, some chicken wings with Volk. <laughs> some ribs and chicken wings with Volk. I'd fucking love that so much. Volk, you've probably got a few quid now. Come on, mate. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and again, you, you mentioned Jose Aldo. Like, what, what a year to turn it around oh. and just become a, a legit fucking prospect again. You know, yeah. we're, we're, we're going to see. Like, I'm so excited to see what we're going to see lined up for for him next year. Yeah, it's really exciting times for Aldo. I mean, he he could easily fight for the belt again next year. I think it would help his yeah. cause if Jan wasn't the champion. Um, so yeah. Sterling, that, that's a, that Sterling would have to beat Jan, and. Aldo would have to beat either like a TJ or or maybe just get one more win and that's it. I think he has a good relationship with the UFC, Aldo. I don't think he's someone that causes him any problems. He seems to fight whoever they ask him to fight and he puts on shows and people love him. So, yeah, yeah big fan of Aldo and I hope he has a good year next year. Um, shall we move on to things to look out for next year? Yeah, yeah. So be- be- before we... Um, yeah, yeah, let's do that. But I, I want to talk about... The uh, I guess we can spin it off into that the, the proposed card uh, for March the nineteenth in London and and, and what huh? rumours we're hearing about fights there. But fighters to watch uh, in in twenty twenty two that I'm excited about. Okay, I'm going to say it. O'Malley. Yeah, oh, are you starting to warm to O'Malley now? There's been a long time where you've not been overly keen, but I think you quite like him deep down. Like, as much as he's a melt, like... <laughs> you can't keep saying that. Like, I, it, 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 he's doing all the right things and looking spectacular doing it. Apart from the, the, the fight where he, he, he took the fella from um, the the pub car park. What was his name? I can always forget <laughs> his name. Moutinho. Moutinho, who then put on the fight of his life. And, and props to him for that. But uh, apart from that, you know, he's looked incredible. And, you know, he looked devastating the other day. Uh, so uh, I don't want to jump on the, the hype train because it's still early days. And But I'm interested to see where this is going to go. You know, hyper side, he's, his hands are incredible. Uh, and, yeah, so I'm looking forward to see O'Malley step up a level in opposition in 2022, and uh, I'd quite like that to be Cody Garbrandt. Moving on. <laughs> just, there's no point entertaining that conversation. Garbrandt should be... Uh, O'Malley should have a restraining order put against him. No, he's not allowed within 100 yards of Cody Garbrandt. Um, that's oh, just, dear, I took just, a picture of O'Malley just banging on the window of a retirement home. There's just like Garbrandt sitting there having a couple of Werther's originals just thinking, oh, I could still beat him. I could still beat him. I think that's the fire. I've spoke to a few other, I spoke not. to I spoke to Pippikins and he was like, yeah, I'm not mad at that fight. Yeah, but he clearly has some kind of hit out on Cody Garbrandt then, doesn't he? Like, you can't, don't put, if you're putting Cody Garbrandt into a fight with Sean O'Malley, you're just saying, yeah, just go on, mate, just lose a few brain cells. Go on, there you go. Oh, I've got a load of fighters I'm looking forward to go on, to, to watching. Um, One of them, Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt versus Sean O'Malley is one of the fights I'm really looking forward to. <laughs> you might as well do Cody Garbrandt versus Francis Ngannou. <laughs> oh, mate, imagine that. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah, so 
I'm interested to see um, what what we're going to see from Paddy the Baddy. Um, you know, it's impossible not to talk about him because the hype machine is 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 going into overdrive. Uh, the UFC realise they've got a legit star that can sell big big numbers in the UK. Uh, he went over there, had the dream dream like start of your UFC career. You know, got clipped and then just turned it on its ass and got that clean KO. Um, He's got all the charisma. We've experienced that charisma firsthand twice on the podcast. He's been gracious and Mm -hmm. come on twice. Always super entertaining. Such a nice fella as well. Um, And I guess we can kind of start to touch on some of the the London card stuff because there's been rumours. We presume and hope that we're going to see Paddy the Baddy fight in the UK. Um, I know it's not necessarily uh, uh, in, in, in Liverpool, which would be insane. But if it is in London, uh, I, I think Liverpool will descend upon the capital for that en masse. Um, and the rumours... Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com I'm hearing Cowboy Cerrone. Well, yeah, I mean, I've heard that rumor. I don't... Can that be true for his second fight in the UFC, Cowboy Cerrone? I mean... How many fights in the UFC had Tilwad when he got him? I don't know. I, that's a good question. I, I, you have to look that up. I think it's. I think he had more. I think it was more than his second fight. I thought it was maybe his fourth or third, but maybe I'm yeah. wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but in terms of Paddy fighting uh, Cowboy Cerrone, I mean, if if that happens, that is a real obvious indication of what the UFC think of Paddy and want to do with Paddy. They will want to push him fast because to give him a name like Cowboy, he's just saying, go on then, you beat Cowboy, your star rises. You 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 take some of the, you get some of the rub from Cowboy and you probably are then looking at maybe getting a top 15 fight. So with a win like Cowboy under your belt, you might it's be going straight for roadmap, a roadmap, isn't it? A, 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 yeah, it might be going straight for a... Uh, a big a big fight with uh with a top 15 guy maybe i don't know so 
Darren Till, okay. So Darren Till had had one, two, three, four fights before Cowboy. Cowboy was his fifth fight in the UFC. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Cowboy was his yeah. fifth fight in the UFC. So if they give Paddy, Cow- I know Cowboy's at a different level now. He has dropped down yeah. a bit since the Till days. But then that was still in the moments that Cowboy was kind of moving up to 170, trying to do a bit. He wasn't like a – he's a big name because he's always been a big name. Mm. But I don't think he was like in like the top 10, maybe the top 15. But I don't think he was like a huge deal at the time in terms of his ranking or anything like that and pushing towards like a welterweight title or anything like that. Um, so, yeah. <clears throat> I think I, I think they give him. I'm not. Go on. I'm I'm not super hyped for that. Like I, I think it'd be if it happens, I'll be wow. This this is this is a big big fight. But for me, I'd I'd rather Paddy fight a few more fights and get his confidence. I mean, it sounds silly saying Paddy get his confidence because that's one thing he doesn't seem to lack. But just get used to fighting in these huge UFC events and you know get. Get used to the, the way that the UFC has done the whole kind of setup of everything. You know, I want to see him kind of bed in a little bit, and you know, maybe do what a lot of other fighters have had to do in the UFC and 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 find their feet and and earn earn it. You know, rather than it be based on you know the the fact that he's so charismatic, he's you know he's got such hype behind him. I don't want to see him fast tracked and and lose. You know, and and I know scouts don't get knocked out, and I'm not suggesting that that Paddy's going to get anything other than in, in line for that, that title. But we did see Paddy get clipped. Uh, and, and yeah, and I don't, I'd rather see him kind of, yeah, have, have a few more fights before you start getting somebody with such experience as Cowboy. It's interesting because I actually think there's a lot of fights in that kind of unranked lightweight division that are probably... I mentioned Clay Guida. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually think that fight, yeah, could be a really good fight. I, I actually really, I prefer that fight. I think that's a great pick. Mm. I prefer that fight because it's still a name. Not as big as mm. Cowboy, but it's still a name. And then you can build up to Cowboy in, in your third fight. Like that. But really, there are a lot of young, unranked lightweights that are going to give you more problems than Cowboy Cerrone. I know Cowboy's got the experience, but let's be honest, Cowboy's not what he was five years ago or, you know, whatever it was. <clears throat> so in terms of skill sets, I think that maybe the Cowboy fight could be a good fight for Paddy. It's a great fight in terms of, like, building his star. But in terms of, like, as you mentioned, the experience level or if he got a loss to Cowboy... I don't think that would be the best thing, but uh, I don't know. It's a tricky one. I'm not, I do think he maybe needs to get one more win before he earns a huge mm. fight against like a Cowboy Cerrone. And I think Clay Guida could be a great shout. Um, mm. But yeah, so I'm, I, I mean, but obviously if that fight got made, that would be phenomenal for Paddy. And I think it'd be great if it happened in, in London to get Cowboy over here to do a fight over here. I think, think that'd be a, a phenomenal thing to happen. So, you know, in a lot of ways, I hope it does happen, but I think in terms of Paddy's trajectory, I'd like to see him get one more win before fighting a cowboy and then moving up a bit I'll further. I'll you on that, mate. I'll <clears> you <throat> on that. Um, um, I've got a list, but go on. Go on. No, you, you go. Throw one go, in? go with your list. Um, I, I'm looking forward to, 
to what we could see from Tom Aspinall. I yeah. think that's that's something. Um, it's just a really exciting, fast heavyweight that I think. Uh, uh, from what I gather, um, he's rumoured, I don't know if it's confirmed, I don't know what's confirmed for, for March the 19th, even if the card is, and I guess that's all subject to the situation that the world finds itself in, in uh, by the time we get to March. Um, but I believe he's um, rumoured to be fighting, strap yourself in, Blake, Shamil uh, Abudrakamanov. Um, <laughs> Abdurakahimov, I think is his name. <laughs> uh, I can't even. I don't even know what you said. Um, but yeah, go on. What do you think of that then? Um, oh, I don't know much about Shamil um, at all. Um, well, he's on a two-fight losing streak. He's got wins over like Walt Harris. Uh, he's been out for a while though, hasn't he? He yeah, he right had a lot of been... cancelled fights. Yes, mm. from quite in the 2020-2021, he's had a lot of cancelled fights. But then he did just lose also to Chris Dorcas back in September, um, and before that he lost to Curtis Blades. Um, so yeah, where is it? I think he's ranked in the top fifteen though, and I think he's a champion from another from other organisations. Uh, as we've Dagestan fighter, um, but yeah, I I don't know. It's, it's a fight that Tom Aspinall, I believe, should win uh, if he's got yeah. the intentions that we all know he has to become a champion. Even though he's doing it on that that slow road, which I think is no bad thing at all. I think that's a very intelligent thing to do. I think this is the type of fight that makes a lot of sense at this moment in time, and a win here. Just moves him on, moves him on, keeps giving him that experience, and yeah, just just progressing. But I think he should have the speed advantage. I think he should have, you know, the better boxing. And if it goes to the ground, we know that Tom Aspinall has very, very good jujitsu as well. So, yeah, I I think Tom's got the skills to to deal with Abdurakahimov well, and that's rumored for March nineteenth as well. That's right. Yeah. Um. Uh, again, we mentioned Paul Craig earlier. Uh, obviously, rumours again of the the rescheduled fight, um, which was was meant to be against um, Gustafsson. Yeah. Uh, if that happens to find its way on that card, that's a fight I'd love to see. That's a huge name for Paul Craig. Um, and yeah, I mean Gustafsson's obviously not not fought for a long time. Um, it, although he's obviously unranked now, he's still a legit superstar in the UFC. Yeah. And I think it's just a brilliant opportunity for Paul Craig to to do what he does best and, and, and you know, to get a win over Alexandra would be incredible and, and great for Paul Craig's um, quest for, for the strap. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, uh, other fighters, uh, I want to see Arnold Allen. Um, I'm really excited to see what Arnold Allen's going to be doing in 2022. Um, and just, I I mean, I've not heard any word of him being added, um, either of these fighters being added to... Um, the March 19th card, uh, either Arnold Allen or Ian Gary. And I, I, I'm, I'm sure you would like to talk about Ian Gary as well when we talk about fighters to watch in 2022. But, you know, again, a guest that's been on a couple of times, both times, like Paddy, full of charisma, you know, full of chat, top bloke. Um, and, yeah, had his debut, ice cold KO, uh, just looked great. Um, all the chat. I think the UFC are going to play a different game with him. I think 
I, I, the fact that he's based in the States now, I, I think that they're going to kind of bring him up over there. You know, the fact that he made his debut at Madison Square Garden, you know, on, you know, walking out into that kind of crowd. My God, I'd love to have seen Paddy Dabaddy do something like that. Um, but I, I think I just got a feeling the UFC are going to kind of bring him up more gradual stateside. Whereas I think, you know, I'm trying to explain what I'm trying to. Well, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think mm. I wouldn't be surprised if Arnold Allen and Ian Gary are not on a March 19th card in London. I mean, obviously, Ian Gary's not from the UK. He's Irish. So uh-huh. him coming over here wouldn't mean as much to him, I don't think, other than the fact that family could make that very short trip across to, to come over and watch. I think Ian Gary being based at Sanford MMA and being Irish, if there was a doubling card coming up, for sure, I think he'd want to be on it. But I think London, I think he's quite happy to be in Vegas to, to fight in uh, different parts of, of America. I mean, Vegas is probably very much on his bucket list. He hasn't done that yet. He did Madison Square yeah. Garden. So I think fighting at Vegas, fighting at the Apex, fighting at the MGM, any of those places, I think would also mean a lot to Ian Gary. And I think um, you're absolutely right. And he'll have like the right visas. He's working out there and... <clears throat> training out there and everything. So he'll have the right visas. And in COVID times, the UFC have got to be very careful about where they're putting on cards and who's on those cards because of visa issues and stuff like that. So I, th- I wonder if Brexit will be cause a problem because, you know, you're getting fighters from European state, uh, European countries or member states over to London for fights. And it might be issues in terms of, passports and visas and all that kind of stuff down the line um, whereas before they could just come in easy peasy um, I think with Arnold Allen a similar thing might apply I mean his main training camp seems to be TriStar up in Canada mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's got all his American work visas because he's been in the UFC for a long time now and fighting you know probably here there and everywhere I'm sure he'd love to fight on a March 19th card in London but it would make sense if you're the UFC to maybe go, look, you're an elite fighter as well. You're, you want to be fighting the guys in the top five. It's going to be maybe harder for us to get Chan Sung Jun over to uh, Britain or, or, you know, maybe even a, a Josh Emmett or someone like that over to, um, to the UK. That's going to be harder for us to do. Just fight him in Vegas or fight him wherever. And if Arnold Allen, is, his main camp is TriStar, maybe that's, he'll be happy with that. Um, mm. but I'm sure deep down he'll want to fight in London as well and, and we'll want to see him in London uh, I think Arnold Allen is so underrated and I think he's a he's a phenomenal fighter I know he's not the flashiest and I know that he doesn't always he, he's even mentioned it himself he's that kind of um, high risk low reward fighter so when someone sees Arnold Allen's name on a contract they're thinking if I beat him people won't necessarily boost me up because he's not some flashy name like a Sean O'Malley or, or someone like that. But it's a huge risk because he's very, very good. Um, but I'd like to see Arnold Allen fighting like a Josh Emmett or hopefully a Korean zombie if that fight doesn't get taken up by like a Dan Hooker or someone like that. So, uh, so yeah, we'll see. See what happens there. But anyone else that you are thinking of for a, like a fighter to watch in 2022 or if you're carrying on with this London card, what you think might go on? The only other fight that uh, that's being rumoured to top the bill uh, is Darren Till Uriah Hall. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not overly excited about this fight. 
Um, I think if Aspinall's on the card, I'm more interested in that. I think if Paddy's on there, I'm more interested in that. Paul Craig Gustafsson, for me, is a far more exciting fight um, if that's on the card. Um, Till Hall um, makes... It's a, it's, a, it's a good fight for Darren Till because I imagine it's going to be pretty much on the feet um, and they're both elite level, you know, kickboxers. So looking for... You know, I think it could be good for that. Uh, Uriah Hall's always a dangerous fighter. I think he's a, probably the the best fight for Till to, to come back on. Uh, apart from that, I'm just it doesn't really excite me. Yeah, I mean, see, I quite like it. I think it's I think it's a very good fight. They're two kind of like I suppose veterans now. I mean, Darren's not as you know he's been around a while. He's still relatively young, but he's been around a while. And Uriah Hall's getting on in age a little bit. I think it is the perfect fight for Darren Till to come back for because it is going to be a striking battle. I can see it being one of those really tentative striking battles where they really respect each other's striking abilities and ability to counter strike so it could be one of those ones where they're both sort of watching each other and fainting a lot but sometimes that can be quite interesting anyway um but i think in terms of fights i think this is the perfect fight for darren i think he needs a win he needs someone that's not going to take him down and he needs to take the time between training for uriah hall and the next fight and whatever time he's got leading up towards the uriah hall fight before they get really specific about the game plan for uriah to really work on that wrestling and stuff. And also, uh, <clears throat> I feel slightly bad saying it, but when you look at Darren Till's body in that Derek Brunson fight, he didn't look like the Darren Till of old. He didn't look like a Darren Till. Like maybe there's been an injury that he's not talked about or something like that, but he just looked slightly soft in comparison to what he has done previously. And you start to think, God, you've made a lot of money, I'd imagine, on not just fighting, but he's got other businesses. He's got, um, you know, his Instagram following is, is massive. I'm sure he earns a lot from from paid advertisement stuff or, or, or that kind of thing and all of that. It's, I think, maybe harder to keep motivated uh, when you're doing well financially and you don't have to fight to make ends meet. Um, and I just wonder if there was something in that in the Brunton fight because he just didn't didn't look himself. Um, so yeah, so we'll have to wait and see kind of what kind of Darren Till comes back if he is around for that March nineteenth card. Um, other fighters I think could have a big twenty twenty two. I mean, Jack Shaw is someone that will be on that that card against Umar Nurmagomedov. I've said it on this podcast before. Jack Shaw should be fighting a ranked opponent. He shouldn't be fighting. Uh, Umar Nurmagomedov, who's also a really dangerous, tough fighter at that bantamweight division. Um, I I think that I would have liked to have seen uh, Jack fight a Sun Sal, but obviously that fight went to Ricky Simone. He got that fight. I think there's other fights out there that Jack Shaw could have had against ranked opponents. I think he's earned a ranked opponent, but he's going to have to fight a really, really dangerous guy. Just look at Jack's record. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So that's so I'm I'm kind of it's it's one of those fights where I think that that is a low reward, high risk fight because I don't think beating Umar necessarily gets you a number next to your name, but he's a really tough out as a fighter. So yeah, I hope uh, wishing Jack all the best for that in March nineteenth. Um, 
Outside of the UK fighters, I think Magomed Ankalaev up at light heavyweight is really dangerous, yeah. other than his loss to Paul Craig, which was his debut where Paul Craig got that last second triangle second. in the last second of the final round of the fight. Yeah. Crazy. Ankalaev has looked like an absolute beast, and I think he's maybe two fights away from a title, well, maybe one win away from a title shot. Um, he's someone to really watch. He could have a really big year next year. He could fight for a belt next year or early in 2023. Um, Ilya Tapuria. I don't think we've seen him since his win over um, uh, Ryan Hall, but there's a real amazing influx of, of top-level Georgian MMA fighters at the moment. Yeah. You've got Marab Vili, who I think uh, is also got a really great shot of doing big things in the bantamweight division next year. You've got uh, Giga Chikadze, who I think he's got a fight booked against Calvin Cater early next year. That's right. And if he wins that, he's breathing down the neck of a title shot. He could be next up outside of Max Holloway uh, for a title shot against Volk. Um, And then you've got Ilya Tapuria, who I think is unbeaten. He might be like 14 or 15 and 0. He's doing well in the UFC. And I I, I think he, I'm not sure if he's ranked yet, but if he's not, I think he's definitely going to be fighting for, fighting a ranked opponent next, I would like to see. Should really look that up. But um, but yeah, Elia Tapuria, I think is if you don't know about him already, check him out. I think he's going to be a big deal. And then the obvious one for a big year next year is Hamzat Shemaev. After you know that bout of COVID, being out of the game for a long time, after bursting onto the scene in 2020 and uh, and getting going three and zero in spectacular fashion, he then beats Li Jingliang in one of the most dominant performances I've ever seen. The way he just picked him up threw him down next to Dana White and was just chatting to Dana White during that performance and then ended up choking him out. Incredible. He is probably, what, one fight away from a title? If he wins another fight in spectacular fashion, he will leapfrog people because people are so enthralled by Hamzat Shemaev. So I think he's only got to beat like a Neil Magny or, I mean, there's rumours, this can't be true, but what if it is? of him fighting Colby Covington. And that is, if you beat Colby, you're, that's it, title shot. What would you, what do you think of that? I've, I've heard rumours of him fighting Colby. It, it's probably not very far down the line at all. If I'm Colby, I'm looking at the Masvidal fight, not the Shemaya fight. 100%. Like, um, what do you think? We, we've spoke about this and, you know, if you want to, if you want to get in the, uh, if you want to get in the ass, you know, you, you've got to go through the, uh, you've got to go through the gate and that gate is Neil Magny. All day long, and I, and I think Magny's. We've spoke about it at length loads that he's your go-to guy. You get a win over Magny, uh, and then you get to fight. That's when you get to mix with yeah. you know with your Colbys and things like that. I don't think uh, he's worthy of that shot just yet. Um, I, I think it would be unfair. It would be way overstepping lots of other fighters that are, are earning their shot in that division. Yeah, fight Neil Magny. That's the fight that I think is a perfect test. And if he beats that, then then you're in there with the top fives. Yep. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd, I'd like to see him fight Neil Magny. He's been wanting that fight for ages and then fight a Colby or a Gilbert Burns to get to his title shot. Definitely. But I mean, if he beats Magny and goes straight into a title shot or if he leapfrogs Magny and just goes straight into a fight with Colby Covington, I don't think anyone's going to have any complaints because that performance over Li Jingliang was really, really special. Uh, just to go back onto Aaliyah Tapuria, he's 11-0 and he's actually got a fight booked against... Mobsar Evloev, who is ranked about 13th or 12th in the uh, featherweight rankings. 
And Evloev is someone as well that's kind of just like under the radar. He's 15 yeah. and 0 and very, very dangerous. That's almost a weird booking to book two yeah, undefeated completely. guys that could be fighting for a title against each other in two years' time or something. Weird to book that to fight the, now. The, the Jack Shaw fight. <clears throat> very similar, yeah. It's a strange booking for me, but maybe that's just because there is a bit of a logjam and there's big names and it's that whole thing. I think Max Holloway coined the phrase elevator divas with people that are just sitting on their spot only waiting to go up and they're not fighting the guys below them, unlike Max, who's taking on the Caters and the Rodriguez's of the world. Um, so, yeah, there's maybe a bit of that going on, particularly at welterweight, but maybe at featherweight, some people as well. But, um, yeah, I think that is all I've got, really. Well, to round things up, we've gone over the hour, but uh, I guess this is our kind of Christmas New Year special, so uh, we can be a bit self-indulgent now. So, um Let's just chat a little bit about some of the highlights that, that we've experienced this year that hopefully, you know, translates into uh, a nice listening experience to uh, to you lovely lot uh, that are listening. What have been some of your highlights, mate? Um, so highlights, I mean, I suppose it, one of the things with the show is we're booking the guests. So mm. we are reaching out to people and asking them to come on the show and... Sometimes we're completely ghosted and no one gets back to us at all. Dan Hooker, if you're out there, please uh, please reply to my messages. <laughs> I know you think I'm stalking you now, but uh, please come on the show. Uh, anyway, uh, but no, th- we do get ghosted. But sometimes you do get positive uh, messages back and people say that they will come on the show. And I think <clears throat> to have messaged out of the blue one day, I just went, fuck it. I'm messaging Alexander Volkanovsky. <laughs> and he came back. I, it blew my fucking mind. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was incredible. That was a, to, to interview a UFC champion and for it to be Alexander Volkanovsky, who I'm a big fan of, is a pound for pound great at the moment. He's, yeah, he's a really lovely bloke as well. How cool was he? So cool. So down to earth. Really nice bloke. Um, yeah, uh, that that to me was was a highlight of the year, and also uh, we when we were trying to get JoJo Calderwood or I should say JoJo Wood now on the show uh, earlier in the year, she doesn't. You can't message JoJo on Instagram, but I saw that you know her management is is Danny Danny Rubenstein, and I emailed Danny Rubenstein, who's quite a big deal in the MMA management world, asking about uh, JoJo. And uh, we ended up making that happen. And I remember getting an email from Danny Rubenstein whilst I was at a family day out at Whipsnade Zoo. And we were sat (laughs) on a bench. And I remember leaping off the bench. Again, my in-laws were were with us at the Whipsnade Zoo. And I remember leaping off the bench and going, oh, my God, we can get Jojo. And they were looking at me like, what? Who? What are you talking about? Um, and I think I ran off to like a, a, a little quiet corner of the zoo and just sent you a voice note, being like, "Or did I maybe even call you? I can't remember." Yeah, that that would be the best podcast. Some of these calls that you've made, like, oh my god, guess who's just said they'll come on the podcast? <laughs> it's like there there've been some absolute highlights for me. Just thinking, holy shit! And I mean, literally had one a couple of days ago that. I won't say who it is, but, you know, it looks like, you know, if all goes to plan, we could have an hour with someone that is, a, I guess, a legend uh, in, in 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 the world of MMA, you know, 
both inside the octagon and, and now outside the octagon and uh and if that comes off then that'd be huge uh but uh yeah it's but there's been some really i mean we launched this podcast this year you know it, it feels like we did launch it this year didn't we yes march it was around the time march, of adesanya yeah. blahovic right okay and yeah and i just think like it when something feels like it's it's you know it it, it it's gone very quick this year. And when you look back, like when I upload the episode, sometimes I just sort of flick through and, and, and I just forget like someone on there. Or even when we just kind of go at the end of the episodes or at the beginning, go, oh, you know, if you like this, then go and check it out because we've had blah, blah, blah. And every now and again, I'll just see another name and I'm just like, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> and I'll be like, oh, shit. Yeah, I totally forgot we had Angela Hill on. Like, and who was in an incredible fight of the weekend? Do I? I think she won that fight. Maybe, maybe a very questionable loss. That like she's got um, the worst luck with split decisions. Yeah. She's lost all four of the split decisions <clears throat> she's had in the UFC, and yeah. some of them, I think, have very clearly been wins for her. I think Claudia Gadelia is one that stands out. Michelle Waterson, I think, was another one, and now this one. I, I felt like she. I think it was very clear that Lemos run round one. I think it was clear that Angela Hill won round two. And then round three was very, very tricky to score. It was very tight, but I gave it to Angela. A few of the other little things I've got on my list here of like things that I've really enjoyed this year. Um, well, A, was meeting you. Oh, yeah. Like, that's nice. Um, <laughs> like, um, obviously, you know, we'd, we'd never met each other. We'd been, we'd been at a wedding together, but we'd never really... And it was quite weird because it popped up on my uh, socials the other day, like... Uh, uh, however many years it was since uh, th- this wedding that we was both at, uh, and there's a, there's like a kind of paparazzi photo, uh, and we're literally walking next to each other. But I had but, no uh, idea really <laughs> what was no, coming. No idea whatsoever. Um, yeah, so it, it, it was really nice, obviously, having you chat on my music podcast, and then just through a through the, the a shared love of MMA. You know, fast forward to the end of the year, and me and you have you know become pals, and we've got to speak to fucking hell you know alexander volkanovsky amongst so many other people that you know are absolute legends of, uh, of of mixed martial arts so that's been really nice and then when we did actually physically meet each other i think that was a a, a really good day not because i met you but <laughs> because we got to go to cage warriors uh to, you know uh, and we had a weekend at cage warriors and was sport rotten that you know because of the situation uh, it was an empty York Hall, and so we got to yeah. sit above the octagon uh, and and look down and, and watch some incredible fights. We got to watch Ian Gary, and you know, to, to get that win, which signified you know his his move up into the the UFC. Um, and yeah, and then afterwards got to to meet Ian and got to uh, hang out and have you know a, a drink with the you know Mr. President of uh, of Cage Warriors, Grand Boylan, which was just yeah, just really good fun. And 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 I think more than anything, it woke my interest in Cage Warriors because mm. up until then, occasionally I watch a, a bit of Cage Warriors, but it wasn't on my planner like UFC is or Bellator is. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm equally as excited for a Cage Warriors card as I am a UFC card. And uh, and they've really been good to us this year, Cage Warriors. So uh, so massive uh, thanks to uh, Kieran and all the people over there that have you know facilitated all them interviews that we've had and, and got to you know 
meet people like Ian Gary and uh, and hang out with the Hardwick brothers uh, yeah. uh, and, and just get, you know, some great chats in there. Uh, a couple of other highlights uh, I've got is, uh, has been developing the the foursome that is me, you, uh, Scroobius Pip and uh, Brian Lacey. Uh, that's been really good, doing some pre and post shows with that little gang. We actually had a couple of Instagram around. messages saying that was highlights of people, was the, the, the kind of pre or post shows with the four of us on it so it's, yeah another big oh, shout brilliant. out to them because they they are two great guys that really know their mma well and, and are a good laugh as yeah. well and it was great to go around and, and actually all hang out in pips uh yeah. pips front room and watch uh, what ufc was it oh it was the london card or the it the, was paddy the, Maddie, it was paddy's yeah, and the ill-fated um, yeah. london card that became ufc vegas i don't know whatever number they that were on one. at that point yeah that's right that's right um other episodes that like really blew me away that when I kind of, they've all been great, but you know, if I had to pick ones that when I finished, I was like, Whoa, um, Dan Hardy. Oh, uh, yeah. That's up there that, as one that, of my favorites. Yeah. You know, as, as somebody that, you know, first, when I first were getting into MMA seriously, Dan Hardy was, you know, one, one of the fan favorites. And then, you know, just to see, his, and just to hear his fight brain, you know, it, it, the way that he, you know, dissects fights and looks at fighters, he's, he's just brilliant. And, and, you know, felt really, really privileged to get to uh, tap into that for a bit. And Mark Goddard, um, yes. hearing Mark, you know, talking about, you know, obviously being in the, you know, being the third man in the octagon for arguably, I guess, a lot of what we've spoke about this year, some of the fights of the year, some of the fights of the years, Mark's generally in there looking after them, yeah. you know, protecting their safety. And for me, definitely the the, the best referee in the, the UFC at the moment. Yeah, yeah, th- those two are right up there on my list. I mean, other things, I, I've just really loved how open some of the fighters have been when we've chatted to them. Talking to Paddy Pimblett about mental health and stuff, and I think it was like our fourth episode way back in like, yeah. I don't know, April or something like that. And talking to him about like mental health stuff and like, was really amazing. Um Brett Johns as well, talking about similar things and also just, you know, how like, you know, and a lot of fighters, I think, since chatting to Brett have fallen into this category of of not being like tough guys at all, being quite just like nice, normal people that hate confrontation, but they've just found this skill set that they have and then they pursue that. And he spoke also a little bit about um, like eating disorder stuff and stuff like that. Like when when fighters are really opening up, I feel like that's such an amazing thing for people listening. Because if you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously a big fan of MMA and you've probably been sucked into that whole narrative that we all do of like, wow, these guys or girls are so amazingly tough. They like, they epitomize the kind of, physical and mental strength that I could only dream of or that I aspire to have and all that. So to talk, to talk to them and have them talk about their own vulnerabilities and insecurities and things that go wrong in their lives as well and how they overcome that, I think is really, really important. Um, and, and we've done that with a, a few fighters now and I'm always really, really thankful and grateful for them opening up on just that, what is effectively just a little silly podcast with two idiots and they're talking and they, they, they're giving a lot, putting a lot of trust in our hands as well. I think to kind of talk about some of this stuff. Um, and I'm really, really appreciative of that. And also one of the other things that, um, has come up a lot, uh, this year. And I felt like I'm not saying we influenced anything because I don't think that happened at all, but 
we spoke to Molly McCann early in this kind of like podcast journey of ours, and we were speaking about issues for female athletes, and particularly we we brought up periods and so like and then what's happened is later on through the year we've had situations with Aspen Ladd who has talked about that, and it's now become a situation where the wider MMA community are having this conversation about female athletes and how much the kind of menstrual cycles and things like that can affect their performance in the octagon, their uh, uh, ability to, to train or not. I, I always reference this thing that Molly McCann said that was, uh, your, was it saying 85% more likely to get injured during the first week of your period. So that if you're having a 10-week training camp and three of those weeks you're on, that's three weeks of training that you, you can't really train properly. And it's not something that we, particularly as a, a male-dominant fan base, are giving enough attention to or have given enough attention to previously. And I think that's more and more being talked about over the last few months. And I felt like we were the first people doing it. I don't think we necessarily influenced anyone. I think the Aspen Lad situation came up and then obviously the Misha Tate comments and all those kinds of things. But I think we were a little bit ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. And and credit to you for that. Like, um, it was you that come to the, the table and said, Look, I'm, I'm going to ask about this. What do you think? And I was like, do it. And yeah. I'm sure and if was, you go back and, and listen I, to that interview, I sound like a teenage, uh, really nervous teenage absolutely. boy. Absolutely, I know you <laughs> were really like, nervous. I wasn't sure if it was that, okay but, to ask about it. But the, you know, and, and I think it's become, you know, it's a question that when we spoke to most female fighters after that, you know, it's always interesting to get their perspective on that because it is, it is absolutely important. This stuff is acknowledged and, and and taken into consideration because male fighters do not ever have to even think about that you know hearing people say that when they get that call saying you've got this fight it's on this date the first thing they were saying they do is go and check to see if they're on or not like you know that's just a a completely different factor that male fighters never even have to consider and and i think as as fans as you said like i i've got to be honest you know up until you know you suggested that i hadn't considered it Mm. well and it was me uh, watching a youtube video of molly in preparation for that interview and she made a joke about it, about water retention when she's on. And my wife was watching it over my shoulder and she was like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. And I went, oh, that's something. And, and I probably would have let it go had my wife not actually said something to me. So in a way, credit to her. Um, yeah. But, you know, we won't give her a big head or anything. Um, and then other things just to completely change tack. Who doesn't love Ian Gary singing Grease Lightning? Oh, mate. <laughs> that was one of my highlights. <laughs> and talking about fish punching. that They were two really big highlights for me, was chatting to Ian. Yeah. And uh, and, and it was incredible that, uh, to, to, to get to, to catch up with him. And we spoke about post-fight eats. And he said, Skittles, uh, to see you pulling that bag of Skittles uh, at your rucksack and giving it to him <laughs> when he had the belt over his shoulder uh, was a wonderful moment. And, uh, yeah, and... You know, like I say, we've, we've we've met so many great fighters through the Cage Warriors that are, are now, you know, stepping up in, in, in into you know the the the, the title contention within Cage Warriors or, or now wearing straps in Cage Warriors, and and some of them now have made that step up to to UFC, and and it feels like a really nice place to be that you know we can reach out to them people and 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 they seem happy to come on and chat to us. So Absolutely. yeah, it's been 
it's been a wonderful, wonderful year. I mean, that's a nice place to finish, right? I guess so, and I yeah. guess, lastly, I guess we should just thank you lovely lot for con- you know, continuing to support, listen, and do all the nice things that you do on social media, it's giving us little likes and shares and that. So, yeah, massive, uh, massive thanks to you lot. Thanks very much, guys. Guess we'll see ya. Have, a, have oh, a great Christmas. Have a nice Christmas. Have a yeah. great Christmas and a happy, a happy new, year. new year. We'll see you on the other side. See you in 2022. Bye. Bye.